Hi, and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Tara Humphrey. I run an award-winning healthcare consultancy specialising in supporting primary care networks. I'm a facilitator. I am a mum of three. I have an MBA and I would class myself as a bit of an adventurer. And I absolutely love all things business, all things leadership, all things management. So I created this podcast for clinical and non-clinical colleagues working in the field of health and care and for those of you looking to develop your leadership skills. Every week we release an episode which focuses on the hard and soft skills required to lead in this increasingly complex environment as we move to delivering more integrated care. So let's jump into this week's episode. Hey Jess, welcome to the Business of Healthcare podcast. How are you doing? I am very well. Thank you, Tara. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. So could you introduce yourself and what you do today? Absolutely. So my name is Jessica. I'm co-founder of Somex and my background is in healthcare communications. So that's ultimately what we do at Somex. We specialize in communications for health tech and biotech companies. And how did you get into that? So I have worked all of my career in healthcare comms, everywhere from comms teams in hospitals through to the Royal College of Physicians, and then more recently working in global agencies with Big Pharma, medical devices, consumer health, and all of that kind of thing. And I actually met my co-founder, James, who is a doctor by training. When I was at the RCP, he was doing a fellowship at Health Education England, and we both had somewhat of an interest in health tech or health informatics, as it was known then. And he went on to work and direct a couple of accelerators and run a few accelerators. And through the conversations we were having, it became increasingly clear that actually a lot of the challenges that companies on those accelerators were facing was around communication. And I often say that good businesses are built on four pillars, and that is finance. So whether or not you get funding or you're getting people to pay for something, it's talent. So getting fantastic people behind what it is that you're doing is product. You have to have something to sell. And all of those things, you can have those three, but if you can't communicate about them, no one's going to buy it. No one's going to, you're not going to be able to hire that talent. You're not going to be able to pitch to investors to raise money or even sell your product. So I think with those four, four pillars, actually communications is really fundamental. And I think the companies are increasingly realizing that actually they, they weren't quite grasping that piece and therefore struggling to really showcase the value that they could give to different audience groups. And for me, that was just kind of second nature. And I think at the time when I was working more with pharma, it was really nice to be closer to the purpose and impact. And so that's kind of how it started. And fast forward to today, we're a team of 12, a core team of 12, a team of 20, more broadly. And we broadly do communications in health tech and biotech, which is across social media, it's with PR, and it's with strategy and also bringing the design element through as well, which Tara, I know you know only too well. I think you do more than that. And I think I feel like <laughs> there is a big banner of communication, but you guys are involved in events you often keynote speak or you're you guys are often invited on panels you've got your google like tech talks which are really really popular I mean you flew me out to Malta 
<laughs> we did, um, yeah. Which was absolutely, which was amazing. I feel like I've made it. <laughs> get blown out to speak. I can just hang. I can hang up my microphone now. But I think what it, what you've just shared is the business advice. So mm. every time I speak to you guys, it's not just yes, there is marketing and communication, but it always goes back to that general business advice. Like you guys could be business consultants, like hands down all the time. I don't know if you see yourself like that, do you? Yes, I know. I mean, I definitely think that we see what we do as proliferating out through the entirety of a business. And like I was saying earlier, part of what I I really enjoyed about working with some of those startups and when I was first working with those health tech companies was it wasn't just about being closer to the impact of what these companies were doing. I really saw the commercial impact that just being able to communicate better was having. And whether that's through internal meetings or, you know, it's your sales team on pitches or the emails that you're sending, when you have a core framework for communications, that is everything that you do as part of a business. And I think increasingly we we do certainly see ourselves providing services outside of, I guess, those four core pillars that you could call business consulting where it is perhaps our understanding of health tech and biotech and and bringing that expertise and insight to help define, you know, a really unique value proposition or, you know, identifying what are the conversations that are going out in the policies going on in the policy space that actually, you know, a company could be involved in or should be aware of. And actually they need to be factoring in to their business model and, and that sort of thing. So I think you're right. And we are relatively pragmatic about it, but I suppose we're not we don't promote ourselves in no. as that. Um, it's like an added benefit. I mean, but, I mean, I used you guys to help rebrand our podcast. And that was like life coaching, business coaching and like graphic design. <laughs> it's a bit like this is a steal. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. The reason I wanted you to come on to this podcast was I was going to do like an episode on how we market, how we promote ourselves and communicate what we do. When I very first started, someone said to me, we're all like tech companies, we're all media companies. Those two things really stuck with me. I mean, I listened to podcasts and I, I didn't really read blogs, but somebody said to me, you need to start a blog. And I was a bit like, no one reads a blog. And they were like, they do. Like, I think healthcare professionals do read Tara. Just try it. And eight years later, you know, the blog is like the hub of everything that brings us in clients more than anything it's it's a really really good marketing tool and I was going to share about that and I was a bit like but I only know what I know in my business and what works for me and what we're experimenting and actually our audience has got you know some people blog some don't do anything some people are always at you know at trade shows and events and I thought it'd be really good for you to share from your experience in Somex is the different ways to market ourselves the different things we can communicate which sometimes I think people think is boring like no one would want to know that but actually you'd be thinking oh no god you need to share that so yeah I know it's a very broad question but where should we start so a good place to start is ultimately one of the reasons why people might not communicate is a they might not understand the value of it but I think by and large we all struggle struggle with imposter syndrome and we don't think that what we have to say is important enough and we always think there are other people doing bigger and better things And I think everyone's voice matters and everyone's experience matters. And I think we do ourselves a disservice by not appreciating that other people can learn from that or take Mm. confidence in hearing someone else's Mm. experience, whether or not they've learned something or that it's that hearing a shared experience to realize actually it's not just you going through that. 
and therefore being able to take advice on that basis. And I think generally it comes down to purpose for me anyway. And I I have already mentioned that you never want to communicate for the sake of communicating. If you are, then you're kind of getting it wrong, I think. And um, a big part of what we do is asking the companies we work with. So what are your business objectives? What is it that you want to achieve? And therefore, how can we use communications as a tool and as a lever to really move the needle? And support all of the other work that you're doing to move you closer to achieving that business objective. And so it's never a case of, well, what shall I post today? Oh, I haven't posted in a while. I should put something out there. What do you have that you can share of value with the audience that you care about? And how do you build relationships? I think that's a big part of communication as well is is about building relationships. And you build relationships by giving value. And therefore, you know, one of the things we have to counsel really hard against is Any communication that you do, 70% should be about adding value, which is giving something to your audience that is over and above selling your product. Only 30% of communication you should do should be about selling because people don't care if they're constantly being sold to. They care about people and they care about learning and being able to take something away into what it is that they're doing. And so figuring out who is it that you care about and then what do they care about and then communicating on that. And that is going to ultimately what gets you closer, I think, to your your business goals. It's so interesting. So I'm thinking we're both on social media. There is so much. It's not valuable at all. Yeah. But it's entertaining. Yeah. If you only share valuable things, like sometimes it can be dry. If everything is relating back to your core business objective. Mm and there's no personality, and there's no entertainment, then that can be quite dry. That's where you just see, you know, like your corporate bog standard Mm. messages around, we've helped so many clients, or we've done this, or we've done that. For those people that a lot of doctors, a lot of people that are healthcare professionals, they wouldn't say it, but they've got a personal brand. Mm. Where does that fit into always providing value? So it's interesting you talk about entertaining. So Ultimately, the way that you provide value to an audience is by entertaining, inspiring, or informing. It's those three things. If you do all three together, brilliant. I think people with personal brand, the ones that are most successful is, yes, they, they're generally just good communicators. But I think generally what makes them good communicators is they're talking about stuff that they genuinely care about. And People connect with people. And when you see someone that has energy and enthusiasm for what they're doing, I think that's much easier to build a rapport and be inspired by that. There are people who naturally find it easier to entertain. I think the harder part to make interesting and exciting is the informed piece. And that's about, I think you're talking about there that can sometimes be a bit dry. And I think ultimately that comes down to probably the more practical side of communicating. And it's it's the, I guess, the art of the language that you use, but also the format that you're doing that in. Is it like a cool snappy video that's 30 seconds that gives a real nugget of knowledge straight off the bat? That's, you know, a TikTok style video, for instance, you know, we're seeing them not just on TikTok now, though that style of video is proliferating right across to LinkedIn. LinkedIn is not a consumer channel, but we're consuming information in the same way on a B2B channel as we would on Instagram or TikTok or Facebook or all of those channels are kind of all merging. And it comes back to the fact that 
remembering that you're communicating with people, not necessarily an audience. And the audience is important to remember because you want to know and understand them. It's about human beings. And a lot of people you you mentioned earlier, you know, they they digest information in different ways. And so the people that perhaps might really like that short, snappy, spicy video are going to be very different to the people who might read a blog post. I think you were saying earlier that clinicians archetypally are people who, by the very nature of what they do and the CPD they have to embark on and the learning journey they've been on, they are more likely to go and read things. And there are lots of different ways to be able to get eyes on the content that you're developing, I think. But I guess it's about, yeah, being deliberate in terms of the format that you're sharing that information. But ultimately, you know, it all becomes easier if it's something that you enjoy. So if you enjoy talking to video or editing that video, or if you enjoy writing, that will come through and that will be a part of your personal brand. And so I think it's leaning into those things. How do you keep up to date with all of the social media platforms or is social media, you know, like when you speak, you always say communicating, you don't say marketing. Is social media a distraction? Because if you think about communicating and your core business objective, it's just the social media is the channel that you will use to help communicate your message versus Mm -hmm. just being on social media for the sake of being on social media. But it is important to some How do you keep up to date and how do you help your clients navigate? You know, like some people are like, oh, I need to do video, even if they hate doing video or I need to get on TikTok. How do you keep up to date and how do you navigate Mm. all of the platforms that are there? So I think in terms of platform selection, you have to ask why. So if you're if you think I have to be on TikTok, why do you have to be on TikTok? Is it because you want to be and it's fun? Or is it that there is an audience that, or the audience that you want to be speaking to exists primarily there? And sometimes it is actually just about having presence on certain channels so that when someone is researching you as a person, you as an organization, there is something for them to find. But I guess in terms of keeping on top of what's hot right now, what's working, and all social media channels work off the back of an algorithm, and we're seeing a lot of convergence of what the algorithms on each platform like is becoming increasingly similar. And so, you know, we've just talked about the span of TikTok through to LinkedIn there. But actually what the algorithm for LinkedIn likes is not that dissimilar right now to the algorithm that TikTok has. And so for us, I guess we're we're quite lucky on the basis that we work with a lot of clients. So we're seeing a lot of data about what is working well and what isn't working well. And part of what we do is ultimately doubling down on what is working and what isn't working. The algorithm is fickle, so it can change its mind very quickly. And so what has been working brilliantly for three months, the LinkedIn algorithm might wake up one day and change its mind. And video previously was amazing. It is deprioritizing video now in favor of static images and carousel content, for example, that, you know, those slideshows that you you flick through. And so I think it's keeping an eye on the numbers and we're able to, I guess, see that analysis and evaluate that on an ongoing basis. But I think also I follow a lot of people in the space who are doing this analysis on a macro level. And there's an amazing report that comes out about once a year that really analyzes millions of different LinkedIn posts to look at what has worked and what hasn't worked and predictions, therefore, for how the algorithm might evolve over the next 12 months and and what it's favoring right now. And so we do really pay attention to all of that. So I guess it's that keeping an eye on industry commentators and industry knowledge, but also 
looking at what we're doing and how that is manifesting on a more practical basis you know it changes with the weather often what's your view on having a personal brand and do you feel like you've got a strong personal brand I don't think I have a good person not I don't have a good personal brand I don't have a bad personal brand I've not done anything terrible as far as I know I don't have a strong personal brand and I think you know it's a really interesting case study to look at James and I both co-founders of the same business with both very different brand profiles on that basis and I think having personal brand is great and works really well for some people if they care about it and if they're passionate about it it takes energy and you have to be in the right space to be able to do it and so for example I mentioned before I worked in big organizations where personal brand was irrelevant you are behind the brands you work for and who you are and what you do not super interesting and really the people who are speaking at events and and commentating on you know industry media stories is really your MDs and your C-suite of agencies and maybe of the brands that you work with. It's not the people actually doing the communications. And so if you did that, it was kind of frowned upon. And I think also it's an intense industry. And I I didn't have that space really to kind of think about that. I was very focused on, on the delivery of what I was doing. On the flip side, I think increasingly, you know, James is a great example of, you know, we're seeing lots of clinicians coming through now that have really built fantastic personal brands all doing something very different, all incredibly passionate and and getting great engagement and building great relationships. James is certainly one of those people and credit where credit's due. He's 300 episodes into a podcast now that takes time, effort and commitment and consistency. And ultimately, I think that's the thing that really does make your brand stronger is consistency and commitment. And it's not something that I'm holding my hands up. I am not consistent with my content that I put out on LinkedIn. And therefore, when I do put content out, it's not going to have quite such, it's not going to have the same reach that James will, A, because my audience is smaller anyway, but the algorithm is going to not favor my content because I don't feed the algorithm. It favors people who are who do consistently put out content. And that's why for our clients, we always say that if you can put out a minimum of two posts a week onto your LinkedIn, that's going to increase your reach and therefore your engagement because the algorithm likes that. So I think you do have to be committed and consistent and that is work and you have to be able to carve out that time and space. And so it's, you know, something I certainly have to work at personally. Of course, imposter syndrome creeps in. I would say it doesn't necessarily creep, it stomps its way around quite, quite heavily. But I think it's hard when you're not used to putting yourself out there to do it. It can feel quite scary, but also I think much like it can be all scary to go to the gym, right? Especially if you're not used to going to the gym and you feel like everyone's looking at you and judging you and thinking like you're doing it wrong. The reality is no one is. No one's judging you. Everyone's minding their own business and just get on with it and do your thing and stay consistent with it. And then you're going to get the results in the gym, the same as you're going to get your results with your personal brand and, and your content. I have to dedicate the time and energy to putting myself out there. Do you? Because actually, Somex, you, you, I think you said you're a team of 12. Yeah. It works really well. And one of the things I would say, and I know it's not an algorithm thing, because you don't put out social media all the time, when you do, I'm like, oh. <laughs> so it's an extra special treat. Yeah, so I'm like, oh, yeah. it's like, so. Yeah. I think the question is, lots of people, so thank you for sharing that. And I think so many people can relate to that. And I would say I am really consistent, but I still have that you should hear the conversation it's like Mm. the same conversation (laughs) happens weekly at THC you would think oh my (laughs) god move on 
there is just something about doing it and it can still feel quite uncomfortable but you're Mm. right when there are certain things that I like talking about I Mm. I really want to share and Mm. I think I don't know when this is going to come out but the PCN Des is just dropped in the Mm. world of primary care networks that's like a PCN Des day it's quite intense and it's I can't wait to write about that and I really can't wait to share and I'm really Mm. and that's not about me that's about the content and trying to help network managers and clinical directors digest it not help them not to panic and not to stress and just say actually that's waffle you just need Mm. to concentrate on x y and z so when it comes to that I think it's really important but also people do want to know about you and I think the Mm. podcast is a great example somebody will come onto the podcast and just talk about themselves and just Mm. mention oh and this is my business and then they will get business from that Mm. it's the product alone didn't sell it it yeah. was the person that totally. sold it totally you're absolutely right it, it comes back to that thing doesn't it people connect with people and your story deserves to be told you have experience and you have a perspective so why not share it and yeah I think I mean I, I guess I'm a not a great example on the basis that I spend all day every day communicating for other people and I, I'm another client almost in and of myself where I have to kind of think about that. And I should be setting an example. I really should. And I think also a difference from mine and James's experience is that he is a man and I'm a woman. And I think I see a lot of really big personalities of men on social media. And I don't know whether, I don't want to say it's easier for men. I don't know that it is. I just think that socially and culturally, it's less acceptable for women to put themselves out there. And I think, you know, I've definitely been in situations where both James and I have been stood next to each other and people are far more interested in talking to him than they are talking to me. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> I'm, I, I co-founded this business too. And yeah. I have something to say, like direct this conversation to me. And I think, you know, that's maybe something that I perhaps have a chip on my shoulder about it and it's something that I carry with me. But I think you are a really great example of someone who does this really well. And, you know, we, we talked about communication. It's interesting you picked up on me saying communication rather than marketing. But ultimately, communication is not about broadcast. Communication is a two-way thing. And one of the things that I think you do really well is you do not just broadcast and you have really interesting perspectives. You have great insight to share that is incredibly valuable. But what I really love is that you bring people into that conversation. And so it's not just, I'm going to put this post out there and it just kind of stays there. It creates a discussion and you're really, really good at doing that. And I think that's so important because, again, it can be really easy just to be thinking about, you know, what do I put out there? But maybe if you centered it around what are the conversations I want to be having, maybe it's about what you don't know and finding a way to use your platform to find that out over and above scrolling and reading other people's content to be able to have conversations to find that stuff out and strike up debate. You know, debate is interesting. It's boring when everyone agrees with each other. And obviously you want to do that in a respectful way, but yeah, I just really like the way that that you're able to do that. And I think it comes across really authentically and on a really human level over and above just, here's what I think about something. See you guys later on 50 likes later. Thank you. I think there's two camps and I think it's really important for listeners to take this on board. There's a guy called Mohan Sekharim, Dr. Mohan Sekharim, and he goes by Doc Merton and he's really into social prescribing. Mm. I don't know how he does it, but it looks effortless. He'll just put, I know, you know, like if anyone's done like a TikTok video or like a dancing video, whatever, that two minute video or 30 second video probably took about two hours. He's very committed. He does that. And I think he's just got a natural flair and he probably has a bit of help or he's just worked out how to do it. 
And then you've got people like, so he's just putting up his content. He gets lots of engagement. I would say we don't get lots of social engagement. We really don't. And sometimes I think, well, why do we put it on social? But Google loves us, you know, like Mm. our top ranking, people come to us via Google search and people come to our blog. So in my sphere, so one of the things I want to say, don't get caught up with the likes on social media. Our core, the beating heartbeat of THC is our website. I don't care how you get there. Come to Mm -hmm. our website. Don't just stop on social media. But people find us via search. But we do put a lot of effort into it. So Mm. it may look effortless. And we just had a meeting the other day. And I did think, what do I feel comfortable sharing? And it was PCN management exercise. And one Mm. of the things I would love to share, but I don't, and the team are encouraging me to do, is more around business and entrepreneurship. Like, Mm. how do I run my business? And I feel really good about doing that on Instagram. Mm. But for some reason, I don't feel good about doing that on LinkedIn. Mm. Damn, I need to follow you on Instagram. I'm going to rectify this (laughs) right, right away. But you can overthink it. So then mm. there's a balance. So sometimes you can just put it out there, but then you may just be chatting crap. Yeah. You can overthink it and then be so worried that you mm. don't put things out there. And I think that there is a happy medium, but communication is a skill. It's mm. something that we have, I can't, I don't know how much money we've invested, but we will continue to do that. And I think my message to anybody that's got a business or you want to communicate a message is invest in that. And that may be taking a course, it may be hiring some eggs, it might be hiring a consultant. When it's done really well and it looks effortless and easy, actually, it's probably quite a lot of work that's mm. gone on behind the scenes. So I would say don't underestimate it. And I always say to people, like, you have to, you've got to study it. You've got to go on the platforms. You have to mm. see, otherwise you're just doing it blind and then yeah. you give up because you think, oh, I'm not getting the traction. But mm. I think it is really important and not to get so hung up on social. Mm. Social for us it's helpful for my personal brand yeah but ultimately what I want to be known as is like if you want support with primary care network management you go to THC like it doesn't it's not Tara like you go to the website and that website the content there is Mm. all you need The Business of Healthcare podcast is brought to you proudly in partnership with 10,000 donors and their Gob for Good campaign Gob for Good is all about getting as many people as possible to join the stem cell registry. Only 3% of the UK are registered to be stem cell donors and only 0.4% of the global population. If you or a loved one have the devastating news that you have been diagnosed with a blood cancer, the chances of you finding your blood stem cell match is significantly reduced if you have a minority ethnic heritage. It is really, really simple. All you need to do is click into the show notes or visit the Gob for Good website at gobforgood.com and get yourself signed up to the registry. You could one day receive that life-saving call or one day you may need that life-saving call. Now, let's jump back into this week's episode. It's interesting talking about different format types. So for example, a lot of the work that you do is on blogs and you've got this podcast. So when you think about a like, a like is a moment in time. Someone's passed by your post, they glanced at it, they clicked like, and they've moved on. That is an engagement and that's an interaction. But contrast that then with the engagement involved with reading a blog article. It might take someone 10 minutes to read that blog article. Listening to a podcast 
a 45 minute podcast. If you've had one person that's listened to your podcast, the value of that engagement and actually the rapport that they're going to have with you at the end of it is so much more valuable than that single like. And yet it can be really, really easy to get fixated with the number of likes on a post and the reach that a post has had. And I think different horses for different courses and absolutely there's a time and a place for the the kind of short form content that we see on social media channels but i think there's something really special about the depth and the richness of that long form content where it is you know telling a story having a conversation and you are building your own audience if someone has spent the time reading something or listening to something they're already invested versus someone who has fleetingly just liked something because they like you and you've put out a good yeah. post and so i think Also considering that, I think clearly long form takes much longer to put together. It is far more considered. I think it's a good way to help you feel a bit more perhaps motivated and energized by it that actually, yes, it took you a long time to do it, but also it's taking someone a long time to get through it. And so it makes it easy to justify spending that time. And also I think you give someone potentially more value from, you know, that sort of content, in my opinion, despite the fact that you're going to have lower numbers on it. But yeah, it's it goes really back to your purpose, to... doesn't it? It goes yeah, back to your purpose. Yeah. And I think that we, it's not so much evergreen because there is a timestamp, but then we all go back, you know, like mm. so all of the posts which talked about the desk 22, 23, we have to go back and change because we know people, sometimes we're so focused on, and you may have it with the podcast, you know, like it's like this cycle. So mm. it's like this podcast gets a week of it in its yeah. time and then you move on to the next, but people go back. Yeah. So some yeah, people yeah. go back to the, I mean, the, they're embarrassing. Oh my God, don't go back to the beginning. But they start at the, you know, they start at the very beginning. They start at yeah. what's a dead. So I need to make sure I go keep going back mm. and refreshing that to make sure it's current and up to date. Mm. So hopefully our listeners will take on board this conversation. I love creating content. I remember going to Moulton, somebody said to me, oh, so you're a content creator. And nobody had, I'd never, ever thought of that in my yeah. life before. And I was like, oh my God. I am. Yes, um, I am. <laughs> I am. So I love creating content. And I think that there's a real skill and a real art in it. And if you're not very good at it, that's absolutely fine. Get a team that yeah. uh, people are good at it. Who are some of your clients that our listeners will know? So one of them is Holly Health. Holly Health. Yes. Lo- so yeah, I love the stuff of Holly Health. I did say like, I said to Grace, they should have a podcast. Yeah. Great idea. There's so much that they can yeah, yeah be talking about and I think I find it really interesting with Holly Health as well that there's a fair amount out there around you know lifestyle change and behavioral science and and that kind of thing and you know that is very much grounded in the fact that we have not evolved to live in the kinds of environments and worlds that we live in right now and that has that takes its toll but what I think is really interesting about Holly Health is that they're really focused on supporting older generations which I think is generally relatively underserved by those kinds of solutions and I think it has to be very specifically optimized to suit the needs of that particular group because there's so much out there for I guess young people but you know people sort of from 20 to 40 who are up for a bit of a lifestyle change who are on the gym hype or diet bandwagon or just want to do your couch to 5k or something like that but I think your needs change as you progress through life and I don't think that there's anything really that's focused on that and you know the data is really strong to show that actually by making small changes earlier in your older life the impact that that has a number of quality healthy years that can add to your life is quite phenomenal so yeah I mean they're also just a lovely team to work with yeah real joy 
So who else do you work with? Ultimately, we work with lots of different companies right across that health tech and biotech piece, all the way from C-level companies up to enterprise. So we've worked with and still working with Pfizer. We've worked with a company called the Reinsurance Group of America. And then down the other end, more on the sort of startup scale up side, we have Ori Biotech, which is a cell and gene therapy manufacturing platform, which is all very sci-fi and cool. And then a company called Clinic, which is a health tech company that is basically helping primary care practices to stem the flow of patients coming in. So to triage them, but also to get them to to the right place for the right care, which might not necessarily be the primary care practice. Yeah, they're doing very cool things. The list gets so long that I forget and I always feel really put on the spot when someone asks me this question. <laughs> that's okay, that's enough, um, that's enough. I just wanted to give our listeners a flavour. And I suppose I just wanted to say, I think you guys are absolutely fab. I think I've had interaction, obviously, with James, yourself, Belle, Izzy, Henry. So there's a big team behind you. I do think, Jess, you should do a little bit more on social side. (laughs) Okay, well, that is all the encouragement I need. (laughs) All the encouragement I need. I do actually have a sneaky plan in the pipeline that might involve a podcast with a couple of other members of the team. But I won't let the cow out of the bag on that one just yet. But yes, you are definitely right. And it is something that I have resolved to address over the past couple of months. And I'm getting there. Just a bit more consistency. And I think I'll get there. Thank you for the encouragement, though. If people want to connect with you personally, Mm -hmm. where is the best place to find you? I want to say LinkedIn. You can find me, Jessica Smith. What I will say is there are a lot of Jessica Smiths out there. So just make sure that you've got a connection in common with Tara, with me. And that will be the Jessica Smith that that you want to connect with. But otherwise, if you're struggling to find which Jessica Smith I might be, then head over to the Somex LinkedIn page and you'll be able to find me there commenting on various bits and bobs. And I'll be tagged in something invariably or Health Tech Pigeon, in fact. So I do host the Health Tech Pigeon podcast along with other members of the team. And that comes out once a week, every week. So you can definitely find me tagged in various posts on the Health Tech Pigeon page, often saying different things, controversial, not controversial, <laughs> always about women's health. Not always, okay. but more often than not about women's health. So um, you can definitely find me over there. Have you got any events coming up? We do have some events coming up, yeah. So we have, you mentioned earlier, our events that we have run sponsored by Google. Um, so Somex Health Tech Talks. They happen usually every two-ish months. It's flexible. Um, The next one is coming up at the beginning of May, I believe the 3rd of May, and I think ticketing will be coming out soon. We're going to be talking about the role of AI in medical imaging. So it's quite technical, but I think really interesting and definitely pertinent with ChatGPT throwing its weight around and all that kind of thing. So we've got that coming up. And I'm also working on a few different types of events that we've not done before, but how do we take something similar to that format of event out to regions and also focusing on specific areas. I know Tara, we've talked about primary care. That's still bubbling under. When I get some more time, I will lock that down. And there will be at lots of different conferences as well. I think James and I will be actually heading across to a few other countries in addition to Malta this year. Plan still TBC, but very much community events, bringing together the health tech, healthcare community and having a good time is what we're about. So um, if you're interested in any of those, then keep an eye on our channels, both Health Tech Pigeon and Swanmex, and you'll be able to hear what is the latest when all of the ticketing comes out and you can get involved in that too. And then lastly, personally, how is the wedding planning coming along? Oh gosh. (laughs) 
if you'd asked me last week it would have been less good than this week we've actually booked flights to go and look at some venues finally so we are hoping to get married in the south of france james's parents used to live there so that is where we're hoping to find a venue we've actually finally booked that in and we'll be looking at some places soon and my i mean my hendy planned which is in september the important stuff thing. is done um the wedding will sort out at some point <laughs> so yeah i would say great it's going great thank you so much for your time thank you tara it's been lovely to chat thank you so much for joining us if you like what you hear i would absolutely love it if you left us an itunes rating and five star review I know many of you give us a shout out on social media, which is lovely to see you guys listening to the podcast. So please come and find us on Twitter at THC Primary Care, on Instagram and on LinkedIn. Just look for Tara Humphrey. And if you're not subscribed to our newsletter, please do. You get to hear more insights, more confessions, some tips and tools and a roundup of our activity over the week. So click on join the newsletter in the show notes and I will see you in in the next episode.